Hello, and welcome to The Full Life. It is my sincere hope that this show can be a source, at least a beginning, of healing. Today, we're going to discuss something that may not be easy to discuss, and I may not do all the words totally correctly, but we're going to be vulnerable, and we're going to do it together as a panel. This show was always built around Christians coming together from different backgrounds, races, ages, to come together as one body of Christ. And we're going to do that today to talk about racism in America. I think the only way to start that is to join the join our, our normal panel as well as our special guest in a prayer together, and then I will introduce our special guest more thoroughly. But first, I join us all together to say, Dear Heavenly Father, we believe that you want us to take care of those hurting around us, those brokenhearted. We seek understanding. We seek compassion. We seek the, 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 the softening of hearts, God, today as we build in this conversation. You know, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just uh, unite our hearts because I know all of us love you and uh, we just want to serve you. We want to be a part of healing, a part of uh, unifying your people, all of us together, Lord. So I ask that you just be in control of every word that comes out of our heart, but more than that, just the spirit of all this, that people would feel not only our love, but they would feel your love and they would feel your hope because the truth is you're the only thing that is uh, going to make what's wrong right. And we just ask today, God, that you just uh, be in control, take control and prepare the hearts and the ears of everyone that's going to hear in our our lips as we speak, God, that uh, it will bring glory and honor to you. Thank you for being in this presence. Holy Spirit, bless this conversation. All right. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Our special guest today, as you can see on the screen, is Bishop Donald Hillier Jr., and he serves as the senior pastor and CEO of Cathedral International, the historic Second Baptist Church in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Dr. Hilliard's willingness to say yes to the Lord has fostered his ability to provide leadership and the exceptional growth of the church over the last 36 years. Now, one church in four locations. Bishop Hilliard partners in ministry with his wife, the Reverend Phyllis Thompson Hilliard, BAMA. They are proud parents of three amazing daughters, a son in love, and their one and only grandson, Joseph Donald. It's a good name he has. Welcome, Bishop, to the Thank show. You. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and to share in this collaborative conversation. And to those that I've just met, and again, to my dear friend, Jenny, um, whom we have loved. Uh, as long as we've known her and Brian, we've loved them. And our church loves them, and I'm glad to see her today. Feelings mutual. Um, well, before we begin our discussion today, I just want to say that at set the set the sort of stage for the show today. I think everyone on the panel will agree wholeheartedly that the killing of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, among the many others, was a tragic and horrific event. It was an abuse of his humanity. It was an abuse 
of a man made in the image and likeness of God. And, and just because we're having a conversation about racism and uh, potential abuses in our system, does it mean that every white person's a racist? It doesn't mean that every black person's a criminal and it doesn't mean that every cop is bad. So with that sort of groundwork laid, I've, I have really reflected over the last week. Um, I've, I, I, my heart was really, I mean, Ahmaud Arbery stirred me and then sort of, and we, as, as it stirred America, and then George Floyd uh, just took that whole stirring to the next level. And, it, and for me, it was this call to say, I have to, what can I do better? And, and right. maybe that's a naive, maybe, and, and maybe that's a naive thing to say, but my, my, my heart went, I had this, this is clearly an issue that we have to address and I clearly have to do something. So I really began to really reflect and educate and figure out how I could do better. And the first thing was, was really that I had to listen. So I want to give our floor first to our guest today, the bishop, um, because I want to listen to your story. But first of all, I want to ask, how are you doing? I'm well, but I'm also Floor. exhausted. I'm exhausted by this uh, COVID-19. Uh, I think we're on day 81. And, and I'm exhausted by this consistent crying out of the masses for justice. And as a man of God, who happens to be black, I'm also incredibly tired of seeing black men and boys primarily, but it also extends to women, battered, beaten, and murdered by those who have are paid to protect us. Hmm. It's a very, very challenging time. And I will say the same thing to Hank. Yeah, so I think for me, one of the things I've been trying to pray for is perseverance. Um, I think that in a reflection I did for our church in a blog this week, I realized that one of my earliest memories of some of this violence actually went down to 1999, I think, with Amadou Diallo in New York City. Um, Diallo was an immigrant. I was an immigrant. Diallo was from West Africa. I'm from West Africa. Diallo was Guinean, but actually born in Liberia. I'm born in Liberia. Um, and even though I was in Philadelphia at the time, this really just opened my eyes. And I remember even in Philadelphia watching and tracking that trial. So perseverance has been one of my prayers. So it's, this, is, this is a very hard thing to talk about because people are like, how are you doing? And I would say personally, I'm okay, you know, but I think that my heart and my perseverance is is needed. My spirit, maybe, is probably a better way to say it, because what's happening in these situations is, like the bishop shared, we're dealing with COVID. We're dealing with um, people who've been out of work. You know, we're dealing with people who are struggling with isolation. Um, and now we here comes another round, right, of of violence, um, of not just protest, but people who are righteous anger. And I think that's some of the ones that people are forgetting out of this is that um, a lot of these protests didn't happen because people woke up and say, let's go destroy stuff. You know, a lot of this is righteous, bent up anger, um, justified anger. Uh, so, so yeah, I would say for me, I'm okay. You know, I don't know if I'm doing well, I'm okay. And I, I do feel prayers. I feel like the spirit is definitely carrying me. 
Um, I just know at the end of each day, I am just spent, mm. you know, um, and perhaps that's not a bad thing. You know, I just know it's not a sustainable thing. So I also need some uh, regeneration. So yeah, so I, I would say I'm, I'm doing okay. And, you know, I, I think I think black people have been telling us for a long time, but maybe we're listening more than ever that this is not new, Bishop. This story has been going on for a long time as we now are wide awake to because of all the phones out there. One wonders about the multitudes mm. who whose blood cries out from the earth mm. Mm -hmm. murdered but there was nobody with a phone to catch them mm -hmm. being abused yeah. you know joseph what was also interesting is well, the um and I, I i don't know if they call you joseph or joe i love the name the full name so I, i'm gonna call you joseph um one of the things that was very troubling is that they had these missing clips you know, we saw the clip of him, uh, mm. ate the officer's knee on his neck. It's even hard for me to say it again uh, for eight minutes and so many seconds. But then there was there was a missing part of the clip. You know, we saw him. We saw the guy cooperating with the police, and then we see him on the ground. But then finally, we 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 got the missing clip, and the missing clip was after he cooperated, and they had him uh, in in handcuffs. The clip that was missing was when he, the police had put him back in the car and beat the mess out of him. Hmm. And then mm -hmm. from there, he was on the floor and the policeman's knee was on his neck. And the man cried out, we don't have, we understand, we, we thought, I can't breathe, my back hurts, my neck hurts. And he began to say, I'm going to die today. I'm going to mm -hmm. die this day. And the final things he said was, mama, mama. And um, that was it. And it's it's most unfortunate. And it's absolutely it's 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 exhausting as it's exhausting for me as as just a person, as a father, as a father-in-law, as a grandfather, as an uncle, as a husband, and then as a leader, as a church leader. Mm -hmm. And it's very disturbing to listen for the absolute silence of so many of men and women of faith. How can we preach this faith without dealing with the scripture that says, let's let justice roll down like a river and yeah. righteousness like an ever flowing downstream. Yes, sir. Or Micah chapter six, verse eight, where the text says, he has shown thee, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord does require of you to do justice and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I cannot be silent. Um, it is. It, it would be contrary to everything that I am as a person. Um, it would be contrary to the price that my ancestors have paid. Um, we didn't come here willingly. We came here on chains, in chains. Millions came over that middle passage from West Africa and, and, and millions jumped overboard and millions died in, in, the, in those ships. But I am one of the seeds of the survivors that did not die. And as I look back over my lineage and my history and um, 401 years of slavery, mm -hmm. the, the first slaves came to this country 401 years ago, June. Wow. Um, you can't ignore that. As a pastor too, there's you know, we can that say 400. That we, 
400 years. When you think yeah. of the Israelites in slavery for 400 years, I, I'm just that was just an incredible commentary, 401 years. You know, I, I'm just sort of blown away by that. It, as I said, it's it's not our story to tell, and that's really been abundantly uh, clear and appropriately clear uh, this week. But Jenny and Carolyn, let's start. I'll start with Jenny. Do do you have anything kind of stirring in your heart this week? Um, you know what I find is interesting, and maybe I'm understanding it more on this program. Uh, Joseph, you know, I'm going to call you Joseph now too because the bishop is. So you Joseph. You know how I've already done a program earlier this week with two of my very dear friends, a spiritual son of ours, uh, ours and um, a brother of mine, uh, both African-American men who are very close to me. Um, and so I've, I've talked about this a lot. Um, I've also recognized, you know, I, uh, I got upset. You know, I'm admitting faults. I got upset early on on Saturday night when our, you know, when our city was burning and I was frustrated and I was saying, you know, for, you know, I went on, I went to Facebook when I was upset and I should not have, you know, when I said, I'm behind the protests, I believe in the protests, please protest, raise your voice, just stop burning and stop, you know, and I got really kind of criticized, you know, for that. And I took that post down because I, I don't want to do anything that hurts anyone. Um, but what I find was interesting, and I'm, I'm not at all trying to take away from the experience that, you know, Bishop is sharing with us or, or Hank, um, but I have felt the same exhaustion. Mm. And Joseph, you wrote me on Sunday, you said, I'm exhausted emotionally, and I don't even know why. And the only thing I can maybe say, I mean, I spent all day sun Monday, Sunday, I was angry. I've never felt anger like mm -hmm. that. Like I couldn't sleep. I had so, I, I almost want to cry thinking about it because I don't let stuff like that take me over. If you guys remember the program we did with my mom, she talked about how, you know, Jody, my older sister, would get disciplined and pouted forever, you know, and uh, me, I'd be disciplined. And I was just five minutes, you know, three minutes later, come on, let's go back. You know, I never, I never understood why to sulk, why to stay angry. It just never has matched my DNA. And I couldn't shake it. Before service on Sunday morning, I was in my bedroom just praying in the spirit because I said, I don't know how to go on and preach right now. I am so, I can't even explain what I'm feeling inside. And then Monday, I spent the whole day crying. Um, every time I thought I was done, then I called my spiritual son, who I usually counsel, Isaiah, that night. And as soon as he answered, I, I cried for an hour on the phone with him. Now he's comforting me. And I'm thinking, that's not the role here. I need to be comforting you. And I couldn't explain it other than maybe this in hearing you guys right now, that exhaustion, mm. maybe per perhaps the Holy Spirit is allowing us to feel a taste mm. of what you have experienced for so many years. That exhaustion that you almost don't know how to word the, the, I don't know what to say I, I, because I may say it wrong or the, it's hard to even explain what I'm saying, so I don't want to sound foolish, and I hope you can understand what I'm saying. But I just find it interesting that, Joseph, you said the same thing, that just that heaviness, that exhaustion, because my, for me, I've never, like, I'm just kind of, I float on this cloud. I think everybody loves everybody because I love everybody. And maybe, just maybe, seeing it more so exhausted my soul. That's where I'm at. And again, maybe that is simply because the Holy Spirit wants me to identify more with Hank's story and with Bishop's story and with my own spiritual son's story and with other, maybe that's that's that feeling to say, okay, I'm not just saying, oh, I get it, I'm with you. I am feeling it in my soul 
with you right now. And um, it still almost makes me want to cry because I just, I don't, I don't get it. But I do believe it's God's hand moving. Carolyn, was there anything on your heart this week? Well, you know, I, I Hank will tell you last week, poor Hank, I, I, I just want to say I love you because I feel like I just poured out all my stuff to you, Hank. I, I was so angry. I don't know if it was righteous or if it was my flesh. I have to be honest. I I don't know exactly where to put that anger. Um, I could not even watch this man who is a human being and, and what happened to him. Um, I couldn't even watch it. I, I mean, I had to shut it off halfway. And, you know, like Jenny, I have so many friends that are my sisters, my brothers, um, we are one. And I mean, I've, I've always have a saying, you know, that, uh, you know, if they were, if they needed anything, I give the shirt off my back. I give the blood out of my body. But what I've come to understand through all this is, you know, I've wanted to be silent because I'm so afraid to say the wrong thing. to hurt. Yeah. And so, and so many of my, my, um, light and bright friends, I think I've heard some people call us as, as, you know, we're all so afraid because we don't want to say anything wrong uh, that would hurt anything or not make it go forward. But talking with a friend today, we were just sharing back and forth. And she said, Carolyn, the biggest thing is, is we need your help to be our voice. Hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm hearing is if I saw one of my friends that was drowning or hurting, I wouldn't just stay there and go, you're going to figure it out. Just keep going, encouraging you. I would jump in and take my life vest off and I would get it around you. And to me, Ephesians 4, 3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. We are to be to be each other's. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me is I, I even want to sit down with my children is say, you know, I think the biggest thing that we need to understand is we need to help be the voice, maybe for people who won't listen, maybe, maybe, and maybe I'm hearing wrong. I don't know. I, that's why I just tell you, I'm, I'm afraid to even speak. I'm saying, is that, is that something that we can do is to help be a voice of saying we need to help people are hurting, but I think there is a righteous anger. I mean, I've went and got that under control to realize that, you know, I can be a voice, but I don't have to be a voice of anger. I can be a voice of, of speaking out going, guys, we've got to wake up. We've got to help our brothers and sisters. And I, I think that's where I'm at is how, how can I be a voice that really makes a difference? And I'm learning. I'm learning. I have to be honest. I'm my hands are open. I'm asking God. I'm asking you. I'm asking my friends. How can I be a voice of healing? Well, I think that's step one. I mean, in a, lo a lot of the conversations today, I think I want to sort of speak to what I think are barriers that uh, or defenses that I've heard from white people that are could prevent understanding, prevent healing from really taking place, most especially in the church. So let's start right there, though, with your honest point, Carolyn, is not knowing what exactly to do. And I've heard that from people. Some people feel like they're they're doing too much they're, or they're, they're criticized for doing too much or they're not doing enough or they're not posting enough or they're doing this. Um, so uh, I guess I'll throw that to Bishop first, you know, how, how do how do we become as 
as your white brothers and sisters effective allies? It's a great question. I think that's a very good question. I think I think it, it's starting even right here with this, um, what I'm hearing um, from our two sisters, um, This the, the weight of what that's causing the exhaustion is um, the sin of injustice. Mm. You cannot be a Christian, for to me, in truth, and not be affected by this. They've not only been inf infected by this, infected and affected, but they have been moved to talk about their experience. And that, to me, is makes it real. You know, in the black church, when the black, uh, when well, not just when the black preacher's preaching, but when the preacher's preaching, there's a phrase in black church uh, uh, liturgy where you'll hear that it's called call and response. So the preacher will say something and um, somebody will say, preach, or they'll say, that's the God's truth, or you better stay right there. Go <laughs> ahead and talk. So that's what I want to say to Jenny, and I forgot my sister's name because I'm looking at just my face right now. Preach, you know, to all three of you, because I think that's where it begins. Because when you make an honest assessment and say this is horrible, um, and 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 Jenny's right, you know, protest and all, but don't don't burn up. But we we need to know also that those people coming in to burn up, many of them were from the far right, white race racist right groups, and many of them were from the far right and some many from the far left, um, uh, very groups that people were paid to come in mm -hmm. and to stir up. That goes back to the days of Dr. King. Mm -hmm. um, but the majority of the people and what you see, this, this is different. The people that are marching, um, it's almost in some cases was 50-50 the last two, three nights, the majority of the people marching were white. Yeah. And th th that I saw, and they were holding Black Lives Matter posters because they understood that, of course, all lives matter. But when you say that as a white person, well, all lives matter, it's like you're dismissing the need for Black Lives Matter to be able to say Black Lives Matter. What, what Black Lives Matter means is Black Lives Matters means that we're tired of every other day in this country, a black person is either shot dead or uh, brutalized by the police every other day in America. Hmm. And so for you to even want to be in the conversation and want us to talk about it, to me, that's the Holy Spirit at work. Well, I wanted to talk about something you mentioned, which was uh, the phrase Black Lives Matter, which I, I also think I've heard you know, all, all lives matter. Well, of course, all lives matter. Inherently in our Christian faith, all lives matter. And, uh, but I've come to a really, uh, an understanding on this because I, I was certainly one a couple of years ago that really did say, of course, all lives matter. That's what we should be, be focusing on. But it, what I, I use a couple different ways, but if it, if you are, if you are talking about a loss of a black life, which we are talking about in this case and in many other cases before, that is what the that is what we're talking about at this moment. It is not effective to say all lives matter. We are being effective in saying that this black life matters and all black lives matter. 
And I think of the example of Jesus. This was what really dropped into my spirit the other day, because when he called his disciples, he didn't say, well, you're all called because you're all supposed to love God and follow me. What did he say? He said to the fishermen, you are going to become fishers of men. You know, he said to Matthew, you know, he talked to him differently because he was a tax collector. He talked to Mary Magdalene and her story. So I feel we are following in the example of Jesus if we speak to the story we're talking about. And it's really this story is about a black life that mattered. Mm. I would really uh, encourage white brothers and sisters to let that kind of reflect on that and then reflect on the, 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 the passage of the lost sheep in Matthew and Luke. You know, Jesus, of course, the 99 mattered, but the, the, the one was the one that was hurt and lost. And so, and when Jesus went to find the one that needed the help. Yeah. So in this moment, we're talking about a black life. That is the sheep from God that needs help. Can I just say something with that, Joe? Please. Please. I just want to say that to you, to, well, kind of to everybody listening. I'm one of those that, in all honesty, I didn't get the Black Lives Matter thing, not because I didn't think they mattered, but because I always thought they did. So my thing was, I didn't get it. So I was one that was like, well, of course they do. Like who said they did it? Cause that was just my mindset. Like that's the reason I couldn't understand it. So for us white people, we just need an explanation of it. And I think that's why these conversations are so powerful because what had happened would be that if somebody said answered with all lives matter, which somebody did on my post the other day, and I have learned now um, I took that down and I, I already knew that that was an offensive term. I didn't even know why it was an offensive term though, because nobody ever explained it to me. I was just told it's offensive. And I was like, but why? I don't, I don't under, understand. Of course, black lives matter. I am so glad for this conversation, not really necessarily even today. I mean, I've had revelation even more so this past week. And so I, I just want to say this, like for us that may have seemed offensive to someone before there was never an offense meant. It was simply like, I, I, nobody ever explained it to me in my circles. It was just told, you should just know that that's offensive. I so get it. I am so glad I get it. I, I am, I, but, but I know that there's still so many people out there that don't get it. So when they write hashtag all lives matter, I don't think, you know, I've seen other people say, you know, white and black, you're a racist to say that, take that down. I don't think that's always the scenario or the case. I think many times people are just simply uneducated. They don't know. No, they're afraid to ask the question. We're not having these dialogues. So we just go on being maybe ignorant in a certain area. And that comes off as maybe, um, you know, unsensitive, um, you know, uh, a racist comment. And I think a lot of the times it's just more of an, not an ignorance, like I'm making fun of somebody, but it, it just an ignorance to not knowing the information, which is why we really need to continue these kind of things and get the information. Because once the light bulb goes off, you go, Oh yeah, I totally get that. Thank you for that. If I could just add, I think, I think the Black Lives Matters movement, it was conceived in the aftermath of innocent Trayvon Martin being stalked and murdered. Um, a white young man comes into the Mother Bethel, I think, AME Church in South Carolina, Charleston, prayer meeting night, yep. sits next to the pastor. Yeah. 
and mm. says he has to kill uh, some black people. Uh, Ahmad is jogging yeah. in a evidently a neighborhood that he's not supposed to be in. He's chased down. Now that we now we see another tape, and not only is he chased down into where he's chased down into a ditch, but ran over, shot mm -hmm. to death, and then the 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 men that killed him said an expletive word with the n-word that blanking in that blanking in these guys had major issues because they kept using that n-word um and i think what black lives matters is saying that if black lives matter you will stop beating us abusing us mm -hmm. and killing us mm -hmm. and never getting any indictment mm -hmm. we watched, mm -hmm. on, we watched mm -hmm. on all of our tvs we watched our smartphones we watched Philando Castile in the same Minneapolis, Minnesota. We watched his his fiance video the same thing wow. and said, "Don't shoot him, please." Wow! But because he, op he openly told the police, as he said, "Just want you to know that I I carry a weapon." Like many of people carry a weapon, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't espouse to that, but many do. But but we watched the entire thing play out. We watched. It play out. We watched him shot with his daughter and his fiance in the car. We watched his did the disrespect of his life. We watched Eric Garner, who yeah. was the other young man who said, I can't breathe. Can't so breathe. many of the shirts that people are wearing and posters that they're carrying say, I can't breathe again. Mm. And so what Black Lives Matters and, and other people of goodwill are trying to do now with this protest is to say enough. We need to pray and we must pray against these principalities and strongholds. When we look and see what's going on, we have to cry out like Isaiah, cry mm -hmm. loud and spare not. And in these United States of America, which I love because we built it also, I have been, you know, I was called the N-word when I was in high school in Scotch Plains, but I hadn't been called the N-word in about two years. I'm coming home from church last year, and a group of white guys getting out of their pickup truck next to my, me, and I heard them clearly. Look at this N. This N must think he's all that. Look at wow. this N, and the brother that was with me he got irate. I said, leave it alone. And I just went on into Wawa and said, God bless you. Of course you be. I've, I've, I've been stopped by the police. Why was I stopped, officer? Um, I don't have to. I said, no, you have to tell me because I know my rights. Why was I stopped? Uh, well, your taillight. No, you, that's not the truth. But here's my license registration. But see, that's, and it gets it gets all, the next thing you know, it gets you all into the uh, the carnal side. You you, mm -hmm. you start going back and forth, and he's telling you, "Well, why are you in this neighborhood?" And I should be asking you, "Why are you in the neighborhood?" Because I live here. You don't. So you you get my point. You see how it becomes, and and then Jesus, you like, "Where Jesus? Jesus? He's nowhere to be found." Because now my flesh is up and right. Now right. I'm angry. Now you've insulted yes. me. Now I'm offended. And then you want to put you want to touch your weapon. And then I have to say, "Did you just touch your weapon?" Okay. Sorry. Because, you know, but it shouldn't be that way. But it is. And um, 
Joseph and Carolyn and Jenny and Hank, um, people are tired. The issue here is injustice. And yeah. I think I applaud you for having the courage um, to, to talk about it. And we're not going to get everything right. We're not going to cross every dot, every I and cross every T. But it begins with the conversation. The next thing, what I always say when I'm preaching, is you need to sit down and eat with people. Something happens when you sit down over food, when you sit down over a worship service. Something happens after church, you know, like when uh, Brian and Jenny, you know, did the th singing at the church and, and ministry, and we're just sitting down and they, Michael Leach and, and Phil. Oh, you know, so, so it's like when they come, it's like family mm -hmm. because we've sat down and we've broken yeah. bread together and we're not pretentious. Yeah. We're not pretentious. It's a bad thing when you're, we can't function out of anger, yeah. but we have got to speak righteously and we got to be, so that's what you're, the exhaustion that you're mm. feeling. It's yeah. because the Holy, I think the Holy Spirit is within you and it's righteous indignation. Yeah. Righteous indignation. Yeah. I think we've, we've covered a lot of ground, yes. so I'm not quite sure what all to cover. Um, <laughs> but I will start with, from the beginning, we talked about how do I speak into this, right? Yeah. Um, and I think one of the helpful things is to realize that it's always good to listen to Jesus. Um, Jesus has, um, in one of the stories he tells, you know, one of the teachings is, you know, they will know you by your heart because your heart will always give you away. Um, so, for example, you take the, the simple phrase, my boy, you know, um, depending on my relationship with you, it's going to determine your heart and my reaction to that. So if this is someone I grew up with in Southwest Philadelphia and I said, oh, my boy, that means something very, very different. Um, if my uncle who hasn't seen me in six months says, oh, my boy, that means something very different. Um, if an older white man who doesn't know me is like, come here, my boy, that also means something very different. So again, it's not, I think we put so much emphasis on getting the right words. And I just give you three examples of the same two words, right? Mm -hmm. But what matters and what differentiates um, my reaction to those two words or what? Relationship mm -hmm. and again, your heart, right? So I think that's the important thing to hold on to when people say, I don't know what to say, right? I know you don't know what to say, but Jesus, trust him. They will know you by your heart and your heart will give you away. Um, the other things I think that's real, real important is um, with the all lives matter, black lives matter. I think one of the ways that we got to get back to looking and thinking practically. Um, so one of the things I've been telling people is that I am blessed with a relationship with God where God and I are usually cool. You know, like I've never struggled. I've never doubted. Part of that is my life story. You know, you don't make it from civil war in Liberia, you know, and end up pastoring a multicultural church in the middle of central Pennsylvania without God working and moving in a lot of ways. Right. So God and I are good. You know, the people I struggle with aren't God or Jesus or the spirit. It's really the church. And, and so one of my struggles becomes does, you know, white do white Christians care about black death? And that is a 401 year question, you know? So for me, it starts maybe the first time with Amadou Diallo, but then I start digging in a little bit. And I hear about how in Philadelphia, we dropped a bomb on a neighborhood, dropped a bomb on a neighborhood. Um, then it continues to all these names we've been, we've been listening to and, and sharing about. So I think the important things about the All Lives Matter is to look at it practically. If you love me and you care about me and I come to you and I say, hey, I have pancreatic cancer. I do not want to hear everybody dies. I do not want to hear, 
oh, that's really terrible, but might be your time, right? Like I am talking to you about a specified problem that's within my body, you know, that I need your comfort, your strength, your prayers, your um, friendship, you know, your um, discipleship, us being the body of Christ. That's what I need. Like, and, and that's what we hear when people say all lives matter, you know, because it's like, no, 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 no. We're talking about a specific cancer that's killing us. And your reaction is everyone dies, right? Um, so I think that's important. And then the last thing I'll say on quote unquote rioting and protest is that I think we have to be mindful. We talked about the carnal a little bit. Um, protesting is American. And I think part of the trouble in some of this is that we as black people don't feel like we are allowed to be human. You know, we name some of them, we're not allowed to jog. We're not allowed to buy Skittles and walk to our mom's house. We're not allowed um, to question a cop as to why he pulled us over. We're not allowed to sleep in our own house, Brianna Taylor, even though the house you were looking for were 10 miles away and you were executing something called a no-knock warrant, which I had never heard of, right? We're not allowed to, to eat barbecue with friends and family in the middle of the night, right? Um, so I think one of the things that's really, really important for us to realize is that this is about humanity and it's about white Christians, especially who believe in Jesus. I mean, like I said before, if you believe in Jesus, you don't have to be, do backflips. Like according to your scripture, according to your tradition, according to your God, I'm your brother. You know, like you don't have to be like, oh, I don't know how to do what black people are going through. Like I'm your brother. And how would you react if this was happening to your brother? And I think we got to get past the um, theology and the head knowledge and get to the heart. You know, and I think part of the way you get to the heart is in relationships. You know, there's a lot of good resources out there. I can tell you what books to read, what podcasts or preachers to listen to, um, what movies to watch, you know. But like, I can also tell you what organizations are, I think are doing good work that you can partner with, you can donate to. So that answers my head and it answers maybe my hands and feet. But the work that we have to do is answering the heart. And the heart is about relationship. And that's the key because if you don't have relationship, we don't really care until we care. And I think that's how some of these things keep going and keep going and keep going. So yeah, so it's important for us to realize that if black people are human, when they riot, when they protest, that's American. You wouldn't have America, not only without black people, as the bishop said, because they built this country for free, for free, um, but you would also not have America because they rebelled and rioted against the British. In fact, they said no taxation without representation. So for me, then the question becomes, how dare you ask a black person who does, who feels like they're being taxed, not with their money, but with their bodies, right? How dare you say they can't have a voice when they've been taxed with their bodies without representation? And I think it's funny for me because a lot of people who say violence is not the answer and the next tweet or the next comment is support our troops, right? We are a country built on violence being the answer. Martin Luther King was a man of peace and we killed him. After Martin Luther King died, I think 110 cities rioted. Um, and back then in the 60s, it was $47 million in damage. I don't know the math to say what it would cost today, but it'd be a lot of money. But guess what happened on the fifth or sixth day after all those riots? We finally passed the Civil Rights Act. So again, I'm never going to condone violence, but the sad reality of America is 
When we kneel, they kick us out of the NFL. When we say nonviolent, they assassinate and kill us. The sad reality is America only knows the language of violence. And when you look at what happened in Minnesota, we talked about Philando Castile. Even this year, there's been two other people who've been killed by police who had no charges, right? And I do the simple math. People did not wake up and say, let's go riot. People woke up and said, oh my gosh, I saw one video for eight minutes and 46 seconds. I saw four cops and you're only charging one. I'm not the greatest mathematician in the world, but there's no teacher who teaches math who will give me a passing grade for getting a 25%, right? We saw the video and you only charge one out of four. That's one thing. So you have the history, you have the, fall, the, the, the one charge, but then also go back to remember what they initially charged them with was a third degree count that says with no intent to injure. So again, do you care about black death? Like that's what they charge them with and that's why people are angry, right? Um, again, I'm not gonna condone violence, but if to violently protest is to be American, they're being American. If riot is the language of the unheard, they're being unheard, right? Like. I think the sad reality is I wish nonviolence was the answer and I wish nonviolence protests would move the needle. But the sad reality is after those four days of protests, guess what happened in Minnesota? They turned over the case to the governor and the attorney general. They charged all four people and like they bumped up the charges from third degree to second degree. Now, I'm not saying that it's only because of the violence and the rioting, but I am saying what we have is the truth is that without people angrily protesting, it wouldn't have happened. And the proof is there's a group called Mapping Police Violence. From 2013 to 2019, they tracked cases of officer-involved shooting with Black people, unarmed Black people. And 99%, 99% didn't, oh, my baby's here, 99% didn't get a conviction, you know? 99%. Like that is some of the things and some of the dynamics that are happening all here. So, so yeah, I, again, I think it's important that as Christians, I believe in Jesus, you know, we're called to be peacemakers, but I also think that we have to remind ourselves of, you know, like the bishops at Micah six, God is putting his people on trial. So none of us get a pass. God is saying, listen, I want all of creation to see because I don't really trust y'all anymore because y'all ain't paying attention. So these trees, they've been here forever. They can talk about generations and generations. The mountains can talk about generations and generations. 400 years, history can tell us for generations and generations. We are on trial. And God asks, you know, I hear all your worship, whether you take Amos and Micah and you combine them. I hear your worship. I hear your Sunday singing. But what does it mean to follow me, right? Are you doing justice? that looks like mishpat, God's justice. So again, it's not what your political party says. It's not even what you think it's right. It's how God's justice or what is God's justice. That's what you should be working for. Are you doing hesed? Are you loving hesed or the Greek agape, this idea of doing the best for the other person? And then are you walking in peace with God and your brother in creation? Like that is literally our question that God is asking, I think. You know, like when we go into these situations, whatever I react to, whatever I'm landing on, can I answer those three questions, right? When I think about Black Lives Matter, I think about writing, I think about protesting, can I say that my position is bringing God's justice into the situation? Can I say that I'm truly loving the way Jesus lived and loved, you know? And can I say that I'm walking in peace with my brother and sister? Because if I cannot, I'm sorry, but just like the Israelites, we're failing God's test. And that's the work we need to be doing. And that's the work I think is possible through relationships. Because again, we don't really care until we care. 
you know? And once we have these personal relationships, it changes everything. It changes everything. And I have people who know nothing about Liberia, don't even care about Liberia. Once they find out I'm Liberian, they start sending me stuff all over, like from Facebook or wherever they find it, you know? If it says Liberia, they'll send it to me, right? And that's how we are. That's who we are. We don't really care until we care. And the best way to care is to be in relationship. And the best way to be in relationship is to remember we are indeed the body of Christ. So my daughter Kennedy's sneaking in here. So I don't know how we're going to edit that. So I we shall see. Well, no, she's she's in the show now. There we Welcome, go. Kennedy. We had another guest. Um, I will. I, the one thing I did want to say, I feel like, you know, and again, I'm going to play devil's advocate for the, the white brothers and sisters watching this and hopefully, um, you know, being affected by this is I, I would say a lot of people to me say support the troops because of the sacrifice they make, not necessarily the violence that they inflict. Um, but that's my understanding. That's what I say. it So I can't speak to everyone's heart, but that's what I would say it. Doesn't doesn't negate your point, but yeah. I, but I want to go ahead. Okay. No, I think that's important, right? Because like, and I guess the point I'm making isn't even. I think it's it's where we allow violence, right? Like it's where we allow violence. Again, they might be fighting for a really good cause, but we think that violence is okay. Um, and usually we attach to what fighting for rights, right? They're yeah. not just out there being violent to be violent. Like they're out there fighting for freedom fighting for rights. So I'm making more of an intellectual argument than actually a physical violent argument saying that like, okay, we might not agree with burning down this building, right? But how do we have a community that's not been heard? A community that can give you documentation of all this ways that police has killed us and nothing's happened. Like, what do they do, right? And, I, and my point is more intellectual in the sense of like, to be American, like, I don't say to be Jesus followers. So this is important for us. And I think for a lot of white Christians, we struggle with that because we equate the two. I would argue to be American is to be violent. Like in that sense, like think about, and I know that sounds harsh, but we didn't go from 13 colonies to 50 states peacefully. You know, like we did not. Like slavery is one thing, but the trail of tears is another, right? Like we didn't do it peacefully, right? So that's yeah. what I mean is that like violence, again, I'm not condoning it. But I'm just saying that's very much the American way to do stuff. Like, and, and yeah. So anyway, so my point well, I isn't, just wanted, I thought it was oh, yeah, to flesh it out. Yeah. And yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm just saying that it's it, to me, the other point of, about it is it's also the humanity thing in the sense of like, again, who's allowed to be angry? Who's allowed to be mad? I love the Bishop's example of, you know, the Charleston massacre. When that happened, I went back to my church and I said, I don't want to hear this as a police shooting. I don't want to primarily, I don't want to hear this as a, not a police, I don't want to hear this primarily as, you know, a terrorist. I don't want to hear this primarily as mental illness. I want to hear this as martyrdom. And we changed the entire conversation, right? And it's our humanity that's on trial here, you know, because if this had happened in any other church, in any other country, if this happens in a mosque in Saudi Arabia, it's martyrdom. If this happened in a temple in Jerusalem, it's martyrdom. This happened at a church Bible study and black, white, Latino, Asian leaders didn't use the word martyrdom. I mean, I don't know what martyrdom is, but if me getting killed in a Bible study does not count, you know, like if that does not count as martyrdom, like something's off with my understanding of following Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that conversation then changes it for people because 
They don't have to worry about gun rights. They don't have to worry about mental illness. They just have to say that like, if we're okay, right? With people getting killed at Bible study, we got work to do, you know? Like if we're not calling this spiritual warfare, if we're not calling this actual martyrdom, we got work to do. So for me, that really helped change our conversation because the martyrdom unites us. We have a long history of that in Christianity. Me personally, I'm an Anabaptist, which means that I believe in believer's baptism, which everyone says they claim now. Well, four or five, 600 years ago, the Protestants and the Christians and the Catholics killed us for that. You know, like they killed us for that. Like that's the heritage I come from, right? So I think that like, it's very, very important to how we frame stuff, which is right, you know? Um, I just went off a little bit, so maybe I got to work on my framing on some of these things, but at the end Joseph, of the day, like it's martyrdom. I think, I think Hank needs his own show. <laughs> I mean, this he's, you know, he's preaching, you know? I mean, this is, um, yeah, this is, a. I think this is so, this is going to go so far that just hearing the, and, and I think it goes back to how all of us feel exhausted. I think it just says, it, this is a whole lot about the possibilities that are, that are before us. Well, I want to say uh, thank you to the Bishop for joining us. And of course, thank you to all my panelists that are always here. I love having our conversations every week, but this particular conversation is so important in America right now, and we're going to continue this conversation. I think one of the most important things we shared today is start showing your heart. Start showing your heart, start listening, think about relationships, and then we can build from there. So if your heart is in this, and you and I hope that all of the other arguments we presented uh, also help break down some of the other defenses you may have heard or felt. Uh, start showing the heart behind all those defenses. And together, we can become more unified in the name of Jesus. We'll see you next time. And we will continue this conversation on The Full Life. <laughs>